Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long-form, unbiased and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favourite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. G'day Tim, it's been it's been a minute since I've seen you. It has been a while, hasn't it? <laughs> How have you been? I'm very, very well. I think it's been five years, five or six years since we last caught up. Yeah, it's been a while. I think I first uh, met you back when I was at Cosmos back in 2007, 2000, something like that. Uh, do you know what? I, w- I was thinking about that on the way on the car and I reckon it's 2007 we caught up and it's- And we were both saying, you're both, both saying you're ancient and yeah. I was gray. just going to say, I was, well, I was just going to say it's amazing how, how we're both still so good looking. Do, <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> we are. Got the youthful. Tim, it's that all of you, lay. You know. Yeah. It's- <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a jailer. Apparently, she just uses olive oil. There's no Botox. Supposedly, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'd say the genetics might help a little bit there too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure she's got some good friends who are good with um, things that Jake Jake does. Maybe the dark arts, as you call the them. Dark, the dark the unseen arts. arts. Yes. <laughs> the dark arts. So, Tim, you've come to chat with us today about patient finance. Yes. And. Like normally we cover topics we're talking to doctors, surgeons, healthcare professionals and so on. But I think a lot of people are now starting to understand that these procedures are becoming a much bigger part of most people's lives and they're still quite expensive. Um, so, I guess people are looking for options to be able to fund it without it really impacting their lifestyle too much or doing things that they weren't traditionally able to do if you went through like a regular banking institution. Yeah. Look, you know, it's it's funny because, um, like you said, you know, meeting you in 2007, when I first started uh, was back in 2004. Yeah. And um, really um, uh, came into the medical space by by luck. Um, I was introduced um, by someone who was working in the malesthetic space doing hair restoration. Mm. And at the time, we were funding a lot of education businesses um, and, you know, really, you know, the the kind of topic of the medical vertical was always spoken about, but it was almost impossible to kind of get into. But I saw that there was a huge opportunity because there was a massive disconnect between um, the um, patient's affordability and the cost for the treatment. Yeah. And so as such, um, you know, I, I looked into that space and a lot of people said, look, it's, it's too hard basket. You know, the, um, an old gentry of doctors, no one's going to want to look at it. But I, I really saw that this was an opportunity. So I started my first company in 2004 funding medical um, and it kind of grew from there. So um, that, was that, went, Credit? that was Matt Credit. Yeah. Um, and we had that business till 2016. Mm-hmm. So we became the largest uh, individual underwriter for medical. We created about a billion dollars in applications for our medical wow. space. Um, and as such, kind of paved the way for a lot of other businesses to then work within it. And then I retired for a couple of years and relaunched with TLC, which is my new patient funding platform. You know, one thing I've noticed with uh, doctors and surgeons and even myself when it comes up with patients, we're, we're awkward with money. It's difficult to talk about 
you know, this is going to cost you X. Or, you know, your mummy makeup is going to cost you 30 grand, for example. So I think it's great that there's a middleman and you've obviously seen a found, found a place for yourself. But what was it like pre your first company? Yeah, I mean, there, it was really um, no man's land, I think, in the medical space. Because, you know, I mean, if you look at a lot of the industries out there, the, the car industry couldn't survive without a payment solution for a client. Yes. Um, the same as the, you know, mortgage and home loan sector. The, the irony is, is that everyone has a predisposed idea of what they believe things will cost, but then they go in and see a doctor and go, oh, I didn't realise it was going to actually be $30,000. Yeah. Um, and simply what... What what I saw was trying to create a vehicle so that people could um, choose the right doctor and the right surgery rather than shop around, about, you know, with price point. Yes. And I think that's the most significant thing, and that's really been my mantra for the last 15 years. Right. So I guess when you're thinking about finance, or people are wanting to get money for, for like, it's just disposable spending, right? It's Correct. not like essential in most cases. I know you do things, and we'll get onto this in terms of bariatric surgery yeah, and vascular yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But let's just say cosmetic surgery for, for, the, for the sake of this discussion. People, I think, were always worried about how they were going to get hold of these funds by going through, say, your local bank mm. or paying like 18% on a credit card. So how do you, how did you sort of, carve out this niche for yourself? How did you sort of go about positioning yourself between, say, the, the underwriter or the, the lending institution and then you've got the doctor or the, or, the, or the healthcare provider and then you've got the patient? How did that dynamic all work and how did you sort of – I'm interested to know how you set it all up. Well, do you know, that's a really good question because that was probably the most onerous task yeah. because, um, you know, again, uh, uh, banks and funding lines have their own policies and their own – purpose structures, you know, debt consolidation and home renovation. And here's me talking about doing medical. Yeah. And it took a long time for people to actually see the value in that specific sector. Um, you know, there were there was a, a huge funding line called Care Credit in the dental space that was with um, uh, underwritten with GE mm -hmm. and that was working fantastically well. Um, and there, there really wasn't anything else out there. So I had to educate a lot of banking funding lines to go, this is something that I'm very passionate about. I believe that there's a big market for it, et cetera. Um, and so, you know, it was, a, it was a process of about six to 12 months to really get people to understand in the finance space, you know, this is actually a vertical worth working in. Um, and if you look at it, you know, the, um, the medical space with regards to revisions is very low. So therefore, you know, the um, level of unhappy client as opposed to say in home renovation, getting a, a, a jippy labor and they don't decide to want to pay for the $40,000 pool they've just purchased, right. you know, it's a slightly different one, but yeah, the transition, yeah, it took at least about 12 years and it was a lot of education. I've had to mm. educate a lot and also learn, you know, it's not a case of um, me just funding medical. I've had to learn every single facet of the medical sector as well. You know, what the process is, what the um, follow-up, because, you know, it's a very emotive journey, regardless of being aesthetic or medical. Very, yeah. And, um, and as such, you know, the result at the end can change your life. Um, and that was, I think, the most gratifying part of being involved in the medical space. What were you doing before all of this and why did you move to, to <laughs> Aussie land? So, I, so I, um, I, I came over in 2002 as a backpacker. All right. I was a I was a Bondi backpacker. <laughs> see, it, doesn't, I mean, it doesn't always end badly. Occasionally, uh, we get a success story. That's <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's, it's quite funny. I, I was I, I worked in London. I was a fresh food buyer for five years, mm -hmm. um, and um, yes, yeah, saw that there was an opportunity and time to 
you know, uh, put a backpack on the bag and on and jump out and um, traverse around Australia. And uh, yeah, it was just by pure luck, the opportunities that came about and the people that I met between 2002 and 2004. And yeah, That's I met great. my wife in Bondi. And and you're an Essex boy? I'm an Essex boy. Yep. Yep. Okay. He, he's, he's, he said that five times before he went on air. He just, he just wants to rub it in. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, there's, apparently there's something wrong with people. I don't have Essex. orange skin. So no, that's, no, no, uh, no, that's true. That's so, true. what is the stigma with Essex? I'm, I'm from Australia, obviously, so I have no idea about this stigma. What, what well, is- it, it, it's, it's, the, it's the classic orange skin, um, um, unfortunately, um, white teeth, um, very, very, um, um, let's put it lightly, aesthetically based um, stars of Toei. You know, the, the only way is Essex kind of really put us on the map. Yes. And ironically, it was all around the areas that I grew up in, yeah. you know, country club and. Hollywoods and all that stuff, you know, old classic. But there is a bit of stigma. I, I don't think it's there now, but we're called, we're traditionally called plastic cockneys. Yes. Because, you know, my dad was born in Mile End, so he's actually a cockney, but we couldn't afford to live in London, so we <laughs> lived in Essex. And then Essex became the place to live. Yeah, right. Because I remember the first time I met you and you rocked up and I was like, you, I thought you were like from a Guy Ritchie film. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a deal. It's a steal. That's it's a deal it. of the century. Do you know what? Yeah. And, and, and it's weird because, um, I've, you know, my mum says I've got a bit of an Aussie twang, but it, you know, as soon as I started speaking to Jake, you know, you can't not. We were just saying, David said to me, is it nice to hear an English accent? I said, you know what? You know, I don't think about it, but when you do think about it, it's just, it just falls into place and you don't, you know, we don't have to reference anything. We just know what we're talking about. Yeah. Whereas here in Australia, it's always, oh, where are you from? And, you know, people don't really... It was Understand. definitely an in because, you know, there was no doubt when I f- first started ringing up and actually um, like one of the first plastic surgeons that I spoke to, you know, it was also a London boy was Kurash Tavakoli. Yes. And, and of course, you know, we got on because we love football as well. So, you know, that was- Are that you was always, man? Ah, oh, I'm a West Ham boy. Oh, so. God. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> well, you're a Watford boy, okay? Well, yeah, exactly. So enough said. Arsenal. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Glory supporter. But um, but yeah, look, you know, I think um, it definitely opened up some doors um, initially being English. Yes. Um, because, you know, it wasn't that um, um, centric kind of Aussie twang ringing up as such. And I think, um, you know, because I was so persistent, I think that was, that was probably the, the biggest thing, you know, between... 2004 and 2007, I was so persistent in the space. I, I really, truly believed that there was a market for this specific area. Yeah. So you um, started Mac Credit. You basically revolutionised uh, patient finance in this sector. Yep. Um, you sold your business. I'm sure you did pretty well out of it. You disappeared for three years and, and you disappeared into the sunset. <laughs> so what the hell are you doing back? Like, what? what why, why are you back here? It's really weird. Well- you know, I I was like, you know, I, I really enjoyed. I'm I'm a dad of three, so I um, thoroughly enjoyed being a dad. You know, I I was the first one of the first dads to be, you know, the um, 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 catering. You know, doing all the well, you know, what's that thing called the the, the tuck shop? Oh right, you know, yeah, yeah. making up Vegemite scrolls and stuff. And <laughs> um, I emceed for our local um, preschool, and we raised money to get them solar. You know, so I did. I did everything on my wish list because a lot of successful people that I've met over the last fifteen years um, all said that time is such an amazing factor. And when you work in the corporate world, you forget yes. how much time you spend away from your family. 
And and I think that was something that really knocked me for six was that suddenly I was, you know, I had this identity of Tim at Mac Credit and then suddenly I wasn't. And I decided just to be a dad. Yeah. And then, you know, it was ironic. I, I got a phone call from a plastic surgeon's wife um, and she said, what are you doing? Why aren't you, you know, helping us in our sector? And I said, well, why? And she said, because no one cares about what's going on here. And and I just went, okay, you know, I've grown up with so many surgeons over the last 15 years. It it, it kind of felt right to want to go back into it. Yeah. And so, you know, the 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 play on kind of TLC was always, you know, I said to my wife, you know, I'll do it if I can get tlc.com.u, which I never thought I would. And I got it, yeah. um, you know, and, um, and then I went, right, I've, I've got a brand again to start, start working into the market space. And now we've got about 1300 businesses. Now we, yeah. we take care of. Wow. Is your, um, is your company anthem? Don't go chasing waterfalls. No, oh, God, <laughs> no, we actually played yesterday on the radio and all my staff were just cringing in the office going, Oh my God. Yeah. But TLC, TLC was always, it was always, a, you know, a, a, you know, brand was always important. You know, mm. it was, um, yeah. it was something that I wanted to kind of roll off the tongue. If you'd like some TLC with that. But it yeah. stands for total lifestyle credit. Total lifestyle credit. So not quite yeah. tender love and care. Not well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Only for special clients. Only for special ones, yes. For Jake's like I want They're to be a special, special client. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I completely resonate with what you're saying about your your balance of life. You know, I left hospital, we were just saying off air. Yeah. And uh I feel like I've got a you know, I'm still working crazy, but I have a better lifestyle balance. Are you sort of getting more time with your family still? Yeah, look, um, you know, I think it's it's always hard. In inception of a business, you've got to put in the hard yards. Yeah. Um, I've got a great um, um, number of staff now where they really care about what they do, and I think that transitions. I've always been an advocate for um, um, the non-automated process. Mm -hmm. I find that in the finance world now, it's become so non-automated, it, it, it becomes robotic. Mm. Where you know, if someone wants to have a thirty thousand dollar procedure, they want to talk to someone about it. Yes. You know, they want to actually discuss the processes, and um, and I think that's a big game changer of what what we're doing now at TLC. So you know, um, having those conversations with people, um, you know, you also create a rapport with them. But you know, we take it very personally. Someone who who gets a thirty thousand dollar procedure generally changes their life, yeah. and as such, you know, they move on and and that's the most gratifying factor of working in that kind of capital world. Yeah. And I think as well, the, the automation process has an impact on how you approve loans. I mean, Correct. if you're going through a bank, right, they're looking at, you know, your tax returns or your, your credit, your statement of assessment. Um, they're looking at how much money you've got in the bank, what assets have you got? And if you don't fall into those criteria, you're like, that's it denied. Um, then and that, that personal um, ability to be able to understand someone's situation and talk to them and understand what's going on, their finances, what their personal circumstances are. I guess what I'm getting at is, does this ability, the way that you approach um, your processing, does it change the way you approve loans or understanding someone's total picture? And you know, that that is such a good question, David, because that was something that I really wanted to work on with the Mark II business. Was I didn't want to um, um, be pigeonholed by the funding lines that I was dealing with. Yeah. So now we've got seven or eight different funding lines um, backing TLC, which means that I can um, approve and look after a far broader patient demographic. Um, you know, so we we try not to discriminate um, because of their employment status 
or um, you know their marriage status or their address status. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that um, you know if someone wants to get a medical treatment, they can get it sooner rather than later, um, and have that flexibility of not having to go into their own cash flow, but have the cash flow as backup. Um, so the majority of all the products we work with now have got no exit or early power fee. So it means the client can pay it off as quickly as they wish. Can you walk me through uh, sort of what the process is? So are you a middleman to a bank? Are you loaning from the bank and sort of organizing that or are you providing the funds? Yeah, no. So so um, I, um, I actually um, have a funding platform that is catering um, and looks after the patient. So the patient will apply with us yeah. and we will then work out the best product based on their certain criteria. Mm-hmm. And um, and then take that criteria and then um, speak to one of our funding lines. Okay. So um, yeah, no, we don't use our own funds. Um, and I find that the businesses that use their own funds um, are kind of then pigeonholed in only looking after specific clients. Yes. Um, you know, so for us, it's we want to make sure that people don't look at the medical space as an option to shop around. Yeah. We want them to be able to go. This is the right because I'm going to get the right result. And I think that mantra is always stuck. So finding the right, uh, and ironically, you know, the banking sector has moved away from this. You know, um, I, I work with, you know, major fintechs now, which which is why we can offer rates as low as 6.5%, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, some banking rates are around 12.99, et cetera. So we, we create a, a far um, more structured spectrum out there. But the great thing is, is that you get to speak to someone before anything happens. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't affect their credit file. We go over it. And, you know, because we have our own credit license, we fall under responsible lending. We've got to make sure that client um, could afford the repayments. Otherwise, we can't provide the funding. And I guess just to give people some context, they might be sitting there saying, well, 6% sounds a bit high when I can, my home loan is 3% at the moment or whatever it is. So I guess just to give listeners some context, it's a loan that is not backed against an asset, I'm yeah, assuming, correct. So it's you don't have any collateral. So I guess when you, like, say, finance a car, if you don't repay your loan on your car, they'll come and take your car away. If you don't pay your house, they'll come and take your house. I'm assuming if someone doesn't pay off their rhinoplasty, you can't come and put their old nose back on. So I guess- <laughs> That's I always guess, been the question. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. And a lot of people, um, look, you know, interest rate is 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 uh, uh, a criteria based on their application score. Yep. And um, obviously secured loans are securitized against the asset. So the risk is minimized because, you know, the funding line has got something to fall back on if the um, client reneges. With MySpace, it's very risk-centric because it's all unsecured. Mm. Um, but, you know, um, as you said before, um, yes, aesthetic is one part of yep. my business model, but we also look after bariatric, IVF, um, orthopedic, um, urology, so um, obstetrics, um, anywhere where you know people have to um, come up with the funds to see that private um, specialist. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's been such a massive retraction um, in the um, private insurance sector. So many people are moving away from um, um, private insurance and therefore becoming very price centric when it comes to cost. Is that driven by COVID and just sort of, you know, reducing expense? Or I don't know. I think it's been on the downturn for some time. I mean, like, a, you know, obstetrics is definitely a, a reason to have private health insurance, but yeah. I'm seeing so many people over the age of 50 not having it now, yeah. which is really strange. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very funny to see that, you know, if people don't see value in that, if you're spending $400 a month, yeah. 
but you're only getting X amount back, um, you know, we might as well not spend the $400 a month and have at least a deposit to pay for a treatment. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Right. So how do you assess a patient's suitability or, or their credit assessment, basically? Yeah, look, in, in, in my world, it's, it's, it's based on, you know, a number of factors, but um, their credit score, which is basically, um, um, you know, what they've been doing over the last two years with regards to, uh, you know, how many inquiries they've had, um, you know, ha- have they been a good repayer on their current debts, mm-hmm. um, and also their income. Income is a significant factor as well. And um, criteria of job. So, you know, um, if you've only been working two or three months casual, that's usually an issue right now because yeah. of COVID. Um, but we still look after casual employees under 25s with no credit file. We even do Centrelink up to 5,000 for medical. Right. And yeah. someone who's self-employed, you'd go on their tax return rather Correct. than their salaries. Yeah. So, yeah. so I guess your interest rate's based on, and I was talking to Jake about this um, at our Christmas party on Sunday night before there was too many um, alcoholic beverages <laughs> oh ingested. More, more from Jake than from me. But pretty we'll, painful we'll, on Monday. Some yeah. eggnog air. <laughs> yeah. I got like a hieroglyphic message on Monday. I wasn't sure what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) Pagan symbols. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Devil faces, vomit. Anyway. Gotcha. So he was, we were talking about, um, and this is a beauty, I guess, of Jake and I, he comes from a medical background. I'm sort of more business orientated. And he was sort of saying, you know, why do the doctors get such a low interest rate? And I was saying, well, it all comes down to risk. You know, so in terms of someone that hasn't, as you said, hasn't been in a job that long, maybe doesn't have that much money in the bank, doesn't have any assets. If that person decides not to repay, that's considered a high risk loan for you, so yeah. you charge a higher interest rate to offset that potential risk. Is yeah. that is that the way it works? Look, it, it, it is to a certain degree. I think um, there, there there are so many factors now um, in providing a solution to a client, and um, we've we we've preset it because, like I said, we're not automated. We actually have um, my team, my account managers, speaking to that patient at inception, and we go over. Um, you know, their current criteria, et cetera. We don't paint a false picture. We're very transparent as such to say, look, um, unfortunately this time it's not going to work for you. Um, So, you know, in that, in that space, you know, we're very, very open. Um, But yeah, look, the interest rate is based on the client's criteria. So if you've been shopping around in your credit file and, you know, you've been applying to a lot of places, it is going to affect your overall application score. And, and that's, I think the big difference is that, um, if you go to an individual bank, they can only give you one result. Where if you come to us, we've got seven different, seven to eight different options for them, yeah. so that they can then choose. Okay, this is the one that fits me. I'd prefer to do a seven-year term and have a really small minimum payment over Christmas, mm. and then you know pay it off in February. Mm. You know, so um, it's it's down to the individual. So it's the analogy that I've got in my head is someone jumps online and is looking for car insurance, and they put in some details, and they get like twenty options. You're kind of that guy for. Funding operations. Yeah. Interesting. You like, like to isolate. You like that little guy, you know. <laughs> Watch this space. You never know. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. you got an ad coming up. <laughs> <laughs> no ads yet. No ads yet. <laughs> um, this is TLC the, with some waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be amazing. Yeah, that <laughs> that would a be. rude and direct question. How do you make your money? So, so obviously, um, we make our money from uh, – there's a fee that we charge. Yeah. Okay. okay? It's included as uh, within the minimum payment. Yes. Um, so – uh, that's how. Okay, so it's all incorporated. There's no all incorporated. Yeah, fees. there's no upfront fees to the clients. Yeah. Okay, and I'm t- yeah, let's try and or can you give us an example that you know you could walk us through of a a typical 
patient that comes to you who's not a doctor or maybe is a doctor, I don't know, um, and they, you know, th- their wife needs a mummy makeover, for example. Yeah, so, um, you know, generally speaking, let's say uh, a $20,000 procedure, um, um, repayments are about $100 a week. Okay. We usually do that over a five-year term yeah. um, just to make sure that, it, you know, um, it fits into their budget. Um, we like to preset it so there's no exit or early power fee for the client. Um, generally speaking, interest rates start from, you know, about seven and a half percent going up to about 10.99. That's usually about the average. Yeah. Um, but remember it's the interest rate is dictated by the term. The faster you pay it off, the less interest you get charged. Yes. It's that simple. Um, the whole process is, is managed through my team. So we update the client at every stage. It's all completely paperless for the client. They upload their information on their, um, mobile or through their email. Yeah. So it's all very private. Um, and we update the clinic to let them know at what stage it's at um, so that everyone's kept in the loop as such. And, um, yeah, then it obviously creates a, a revenue stream for the clinics out there as well. Yeah. But it also means that that client gets an opportunity to have their treatment today. Yeah, I think right. most people would say $100 a week. That sounds way better than twenty grand straight out of your pocket. And, you know, the amount of people that I've spoken to over the last 15 years just out of dinners and stuff, and I remember um, chatting to a couple and she had to get um, um, orthopedic treatment on her knee. And she was young. She was only 30 when she had the procedure. Yeah. And she had to scrimp and scrape around family to come up with the funds to do it. Because in, in the medical space, it's kind of ticker tape if you're in the ENT or cardiology and stuff. You know, it's a ticker tape of clients. If you can't afford the treatment, then you go in the public sector and, yes. you know, hopefully you, you get seen in three years. years. Yeah. And, um, and, she, and she just... You know, she said, I, if I'd have known there was an option for $100 a week, I could have had the treatment, you know, but I lived in pain for a year yeah. trying to get things together. And they're the type of clients we're trying to help, you know, that have moved away from private health insurance but still need the medical attention to be able to move forward. I'm interested in sort of the chat that you have with the patient because, you know, you can obviously spin it in a way that they can understand and afford, whereas if an injector turns around to someone and says, look, you need 10 mils of filler, that's – five and a half thousand dollars most people will balk at that but then if you break it down into what you're going to pay a week or or a month that's affordable to most people well everyone interested to know what you're saying what's the secret sauce well the secret sauce is that we all live through we, we all are very lifestyle conscious these days so people know more about what their weekly or fortnightly incomes are than having a predisposed if you say five and a half thousand to someone they might go okay well that's two months net income yes that much. doesn't make any sense jake okay you know that's but then when you say to them it's 35 dollars a week they go okay well that fits my budget yep i can do that yes so so that's what i did i created a business model for the medical space where um you know doctors are never regardless of what recession or mm. what gfc we go through they will never reduce their their cost yeah so so as such you're in a in a market space where some things are totally unachievable which is why you know you've got a massively oversaturated public sector yeah. because people can't afford to get their medical treatment yeah. at the right time and that's basically what i did was i realized that people could understand a costing of 30 dollars a week instead of five thousand dollars yeah it's much more palatable isn't it yeah mm-hmm. it really is yeah but it's like it's like you know if you look at the car space, could you imagine not going in to a, a you know car dealership 
and and them not talking about a payment solution, buying yeah. a two hundred thousand dollar car. I mean, they would never be able to sell it. Yes, no one would be able to come up with two hundred thousand dollars without without coming out with a payment plan. So yeah, it's absolutely you know that that revolutionised the car industry. Yeah, and I think even more so now these days because I think there's a lesser inclination, particularly with younger people, to save. People sort of you know they get their paycheck and it's already spent before. They know what they're going to spend it on before it even hits their bank account. There isn't that. So true. It's not. It's not like a knock. It's not like a knock on on the, on that generation. It's just the way that people are these days. We sort of live for the moment a little bit more. We're not so so, you know, conscious of saving for tomorrow. So people might be having good incomes, but they're spending it as you said, by lifestyle conscious. So people Very. don't have that money sitting in their account, but they've got the ability to repay if they budget moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, that's where we fit because. Um, if you don't have the means, then unfortunately, it's 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 not something that we can provide you. Yeah. So you know, we make sure that um, we go through as many checks um, in um, exacting that opportunity for the client. And you know, um, the 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 biggest thing is is that we're here for the patient. Yeah. Um, you know, we fund directly to the patient. We don't fund to the clinic. Right. Yeah. So as such, it's the onus is on the patient. We want them to make the right decisions. Um, you know, so we cover um, all of the medical fees, hospital, anaesthetist, aftercare, device, anything affiliated with the cost of the treatment, yeah. just so that they can choose the right place. Because sometimes, um, you know, choosing um, choosing something because of price point in the medical space is not what I recommend. You've got to do it based 100%. on doing the right due diligence and actually um, um, going through a process so that you are making the right decisions. Yeah. So, you know, my my um, business structure has always been patient-centric. We are here to protect the patient, to make sure that they're choosing the right, the right clinic and get the right result. You might have just answered my question, but I think you said that you liaise directly with the client and the clinic's not sort of advertising you. So is that how this is sort of compliant with ARPA and TGA because you're not allowed to incentivize, you know, cosmetic surgery? Yes. So is that... I'm not saying it's a loophole, but is that how it's done in an ethical way? Well, look, um, you know, the, the 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 biggest thing is, you know, um, coming back into the market space after APRA made some changes. Um, I think, you know, it was um, a change for the right reason to a certain degree, but also um, it did affect so many different business verticals in the medical space. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so as such, you know, they didn't realise that, it affected vascular and orthopedic and psychology and all the non all the non ones. non non aesthetic space that people then weren't able to offer and as such i think you know there's been a slow transition of them being a little bit more comfortable with it mm. um and I, i'm all for educating um that specific area but you know i've worked with um the peak bodies for the last 15 years about understanding why we're doing it um and the, the biggest difference is is that when someone walks into a clinic, they don't know that um, a payment solution is available. Yeah. So as such, it's not a interest-free kind of low-ball selling option. It is offered after the fact, and therefore the client makes the decision based on their situation. Yes. So it's not enforced or impacted or, you know, Harvey Norman, yeah. if, that, if, that, if you want to say it like that. I think most um, plastic surgery clinics have sort of a, you know, I'm not saying it's a consultant from your firm, but they have a, a consultant to talk about all this stuff and it's not the surgeon sort of realm and, and yeah, they really shouldn't get involved with that. No, I mean, I haven't met, like you said, there is no 
doctor out there that likes talking to any patient about money. Yes. And I mean, in fact, if you speak to any practice manager out there, the majority of practice managers will go, I do not want the doctor to talk about money because um, essentially uh, they end up doing it for free because they, you know, they get emotional and get impacted with the client as well. So yeah, you know, we liaise with a lot of the client liaison officers and clinics out there as such. Yeah. So what happens, just say there's something random like a pandemic and you're in the middle of your paying your, paying off your loan and suddenly you go, shit, I'm a uh, air, airplane pilot and I, I, I don't have a job now. Yeah. Can't fly, can't earn any income for at least two years. What What happens in that situation? Well, look, I mean, you know, we went through one in 2008-9 with the GFC. You yeah. know, that was pretty horrific. Um, you know, the irony is, is that I always thought that the medical space was completely recession-proof mm. until this one hit, you know, and it's completely changed the whole market space. Yes. Um, but look, you know, the um, um, all of our funding lines have their own policies and structures. Um, um, a lot of funding lines created a thing called um, our holiday hardship yeah. Um, which didn't affect people's credit files. So people had, you know, up to about six months to um, defer payments for okay. um, so that they could find reemployment, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And that's why I'm, I'm a true believer that um, um, if you create a payment solution for someone um, so that there's a simple minimum payment, it doesn't affect their lifestyle overly. Yes. You know, so if you've got a $30 a week payment coming out of your account, um, as opposed to, you know, you're paying it off over a shorter term yeah. and you've got $200 a week, well, that's financially going to put you in a bit of duress. Right. Yeah. Where with us, you know, we want to give them the option of a simple minimum payment, but the option to pay it off as quickly as they want. Yeah. So did those terms, did you have people renegotiating those terms during the pandemic? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and also it was prevalent in the commercial space as well. Because, you know, a lot of commercial businesses were affected by the fact that suddenly their patient flow, yeah. um, you know, which is another factor to my business is that, you know, we fund a lot of medical device businesses mm-hmm. um, and, you know, um, there's a there's a great kind of collaboration because, you know, we provide a kind of return on investment for people purchasing, you know, a um, hair restoration or, you know, a new uh, body tone, you know, endomology type machine. Yeah you know, that comes at a cost in the thousands, you know, TLC provides the funding platform to actually create, you know, a, a different marketing strategy to sell to the client. Okay. Um, but as such, you know, in the in the commercial space as well, it gets, you know, um, there's been a lot of stress on clients not coming in as such and, you know, um, then it impacts and then creates that issue of them not coming out with payments as well. So what happens if someone doesn't repay their loan? We, we discussed that it was an unsecured loan. I mean, do you have someone like Jason Statham on standby? Yeah. <laughs> no, look, it's not like that. I mean, you know, look, um, during these periods, um, you've got to be really flexible because we're all in this. This isn't just one individual area. Everyone has been affected. Um, and, you know, I think we've just got to, all got to be patient, I think, Um you know, the the government support that we got was immense. Mm-hmm. I don't think, you know, I think it will be about six months before everyone will turn around and go, Jesus, that, that was pretty amazing what they did. Um, you know, will there be a lot of businesses that will um, uh, that are in that zombie mode at the moment where they're still getting, you know, subsidies from the government um, and then suddenly they will stop? Yeah, I, I, you know, I can see that will affect. I think it will affect a lot of the non-surgical space. Um, because, you know, you've got to, you've got to create marketing strategies to generate those clients to come back. 
And if suddenly these clients don't see the value of going back, you know, it's slightly different when you're offering a surgical treatment because there is a, there is a defined result at the end of the treatment where with, you know, what you do, you know, it's, it's a stage effect, isn't it? It's, you know, it, it, it works over time as such. Oh, I don't know. Sometimes I perform miracles in a <laughs> <the end of> day. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. Jake, Jake's nickname is Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so walk us through the application process. So, you know, someone wants, you know, a breast augmentation. Yeah. They've never done this before. Do they do a credit score themselves and then that send that into you or? No. So basically um, we've got a patient portal that they do an application through our website and um, takes about 15 seconds to complete. Mm-hmm. And they have an option to complete the rest of their information if they want to. Um, but then one of my team will give them a call. Um, we will have got a, a check from um, one of the leading credit score companies and we'll go over, you know, a, a kind of brief overview of what, their credit score kind of looks like. And as such, then we'll give them an idea of roughly what their repayments be and what their interest rates will be, et cetera. What's the credit score companies? Is it Experian? No, no. uh, We we go through Equifax. Equifax. That's the main one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you you mentioned before that you've got a a number of different lenders that you can go through. So do you do like a pre-assessment to get an understanding or an idea about the likelihood of success of approval before you yeah, start so we, mark on Yeah, the, so we collect, yeah, the team collect two recent pay slips, driver's license, Medicare, bank statements. So we've got a fantastic thing with a company called Ilion that do bankstatements.com and it uh, basically spews us out three or six months worth of bank statements. So my team will do all of that assessment before they will then speak to one of our funding lines so that we know exactly what position it's at. You know, if there's a discrepancy or their mispayment or if there's um, a dishonor in their account, we go over that with the client to ascertain what actually happened before we speak to the funding line. Yeah, right. Okay. And as such, it means, so, you know, why people come to TLC? Because we provide a private service, um, but uh, give them a transparent result rather than them go to three or four different banks, get three or four different credit file hits to find out that they couldn't get any funds yeah. where with us, we, you know, um, the funding lines that I've been working with, fortunately I was really successful in my previous model. So, you know, talking to them about medical, um, was not a problem at all. Yeah. But again, you know, some of them didn't even see medical as a purpose until I started up again. Right. What are the key differences between say your previous business and what you didn't do now? Um, if you had to sort of, you know, Definitely having a lot more fun. That was, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, TLC is, uh, you know, we, um, uh, you know, I was, I was always quite driven to become, you know, the um, number one business out there in the market space, and um, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit lonely at the top, but you know, from the perspective of TLC, the the biggest change was I wanted to, um, um, I only had say two funding lines at, at the very most. At Mac Credit, where now we've got eight, mm-hmm. so I've got far better variety to to offer back to our clients, and as such, we can we can program and give them a much better, you know, affordability and uh, repayment strategy. This might sound financially illiterate, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Is there any <laughs> advantage to you know going with something that you're proposing versus just paying it all all off in one go? I mean, for example, the interest rates are so pathetic that there's no point in keeping that 30 grand in the bank and hoping that it will you know be better to keep that money and 
Sorry, got that wrong way around. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Look, um, look, saving $30,000 can take years and years and years. Yes. And, um, you know, I always um, like clients to have available cash in case of emergencies. Yes. Um, you know, credit card rates, you know, are still quite extreme. 18%. Yeah, something, something like that. that. Yeah. So, and, you know, um, obviously credit card repayments have changed so much over the last five or six years as well, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, they're really pushing back on doing lower limits for clients. Um, because again, you know, you, you have an issue with not being able to pay it off for nine years, you know, of $4,000 balance because yeah. you're just paying such a small amount. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, 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 the factors that come into it, I, I reckon probably um, about 25% of the clients that we fund have, the sufficient funds in their account to be able to afford the treatment. Right. But they just choose to utilize TLC so that they've, like I said, they've got that lifestyle choice to go, okay, well, I can have the treatment. I can um, pay X, tax comes in. I can put that straight back onto the payment plan. Yes. Do you know what? I'll pay it off in 12 months. And still got money in the bank yeah. for a rainy day in case mm. pandemic hits. Yeah. Whatever. And, you know, because the big, uh, the big, big difference is, is that when you go for, say, a car loan, it's secured against the car. It's over a five years. Sometimes you get a balloon. Yeah. Um, but if you want to pay out early, you've got massive exit fees. You've got, you know, um, you know that um, – uh, interest conversion that you've got to pay as well. Yep. So we, when you get a car loan, you you pay it off over five years. Yes. Because generally speaking, majority of people churn a car after three to five years. So people get 36 months or 60 months. Mm. Where with us, because we do a lot of rebatable treatments like bariatric and IVF, vascular and stuff, we want to be able to give them the flexibility if they're doing a $7,000 treatment, but they get 3000 back from MBS and private health, they can put it straight back onto the payment plan. Mm. Great. And so their loan just gets paid off quicker. And- exactly. Oh, that's great. How did you um, acquire so many more lenders this time around? Is it the the market had changed, or was it just your track record, or just a different mindset? Um, uh, look, the market's definitely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many more fintechs out there. What does fintech mean? So Sorry. fintech is like um, um, it's a non banking entity. They don't right. take deposits, but they provide personal loan and car loan solutions right. out there. Um, when I started in two thousand and four, um, we used one of the big five um, um, institutions, and um, there was really no other option out there. Um, So, you know, the fintechs have really come about because I suppose the banking industry, to a certain extent, hasn't seen value in personal loans. And as such, they've been focusing on the the home loan and the commercial space, and it's allowed fintechs to then grow from there. And that's why they can offer rates starting as low as 6.5%. Is that rate um, starting with, you know, people like that no no that's um from someone who's got a good credit score okay and got good criteria so you know it, it like i said it you know you could be working full-time for two years and you could still get that rate yeah the 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 doctor factor comes into it to a certain degree in the commercial space so devices etc. Yeah, because you know um white collar is slightly different to uh, as you guys would know you know when you're working in the um non-surgical space and you're trying to create models to bringing machines if you're not a doctor it's sometimes a little bit more expensive yes um so you know a lot of institutions have provided really low rates for doctors because obviously the risk level is minimized because you can create different avenues of income because you're a doctor yeah, yeah. well that's funny though because i know so many doctors albeit in the public space who are pathetic with money you know they've, they've overspent on a car and they've maxed their credit cards and they've 
probably bought a house that's too big and they're trying to put all their three kids through private school. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Look, the it majority is quite high risk. The, the, the fundamentals are, you know, um, um, in the medical space, because, you know, David was never a doctor, he was business, you know, it, it's always always easy talking to someone like David because he, under, he understood the business side of it. Yeah. Where, you know, a doctor, you look at a plastic surgeon who's done 14, 15 years before he's actually creating his own brand, yes. then suddenly he's like, I've got to start, you know, generating revenue because I've been working so hard to get to this point. Yeah. And that's why I think sometimes they can be a little bit blinkered um, because they've worked so hard to get to that totally point. And then suddenly that, yeah. they're, you know, 37, 38, and, and they're actually working. Yes. Um, and, you know, they've they that's why they demand, you know, such high fees. But again, it's, you know, it's, it's, that, it's that race towards – um, will you get the right result by spending more? Is that the result you're trying to get? Yeah. Um, that's so important, I think. Mm. I was going to ask you, um, there's lots of different payment methods that have come onto the market since I guess you sold your last business and today. Yeah. So you've got things like Zip Pay and Zip Money and Afterpay. I don't know, Afterpay and I don't know, there's probably others that I can't think of. How do you, how does what you guys what do you guys do that's different from that? So for, I guess for the person listening, going, Oh, you know, I come into like this clinic and I get my stuff on Zip Pay. How would it, what are the differences? Yeah, look, you know, when I when, um, I had opportunities to do, you know, a TLC credit card when I first launched um, and a kind of TLC pay option, um, you know, um, those those businesses have been really successful. Um, you know, the, the afterpay type model is a commercial one between the afterpay and the business. So the transactions between them and not the client as such. Yeah. So it, um, doesn't kind of fall under the space that I work in, which is, um, yeah, the NCCP consumer, consumer funding platform. So, um, yeah, when I looked at it, the, the the biggest thing that I had an issue with is that I wanted to make sure that when someone went to have a dental procedure or a medical procedure, when they paid it off, they couldn't then go out and buy a fridge because I didn't I didn't see that that was a benefit. Number one, because the medical space is such an important vertical that we've got to protect, um, not only in service, but also, you know, criteria as well. And I didn't want to create secondary debt options for people. Yes. I was a true believer that, you know, um, where we create the option for the client to have that procedure, but once they've paid it off, that's it. It's finished. Yeah. I have to say, um, I've had patients where they sort of utilize it, pay as almost an emergency fund it they're, they're not seeing it as like you know a bit of a buffer it's almost like it's the last dollar i've got left i'm gonna put it on zip pay and I, I i do worry sometimes that people aren't fully understanding you know sort of their finances it'll be interesting to see what happens in that space because again it's you know uh, it's gone from two carriers to like 15 different options now yeah so whether or not the market can hold that um, whether or not a big behemoth from the states comes in and just under, undermines everything that that, that has, has happened here, as such, yeah. I think it's a it's a really difficult business area to understand, and I don't understand it overly that well to go okay. And you know, as much as there was a lucrative opportunity to create a credit card, I was like, do I want to, you know, um, create an opportunity for someone to have a vascular procedure and then them go out and buy a three-piece suite yeah. with the so limit they had. Odd. I did, I felt really uncomfortable with it. As much as, you know, it was 
a, a capital opportunity for for me. It just didn't seem like the right model. And and I again like um, TLC is all about protecting the patient. We want to make sure they're the ones that are making the right decisions. Yeah. Mm. I've got to ask you a slightly controversial question, and I okay. don't. I mean, I. I um, can't give you all free kicks, so I've got, to, I've got to give you a curly one, right? So I guess there'll be a percentage of people listening to this that are going, well, are you making it too easy for people to have procedures? Is it, you know, I, I guess uh, removing the, the the necessary ones, so for health, you know, like vascular and all those yeah. sorts of things. Let's just say, you know, aesthetics. You know, do you think there's an issue with people just becoming far too complacent, going ahead, going unnecessary procedures that they don't need? Fun, you know, feeding things like body dysmorphia because now it's just so easy they can call up TLC and go, "Yep, cool, give me a loan." Yep, no worries, here's the cash, and they're getting things done. So I just want to know what oh, you give me the curveball, David. Yeah, sorry. What? No, no, that's fine. Look, look. Um, I think, well, what happened in 2016 with um, a lot of the APA changes came because of body dysmorphia. You know, so the appearance, you know, clauses that came in, I think, were really succinct, and I think that was probably the best thing that actually came out of it was that um, you, you can't make a financial decision whether or not you're paying on a credit card, paying cash, or yeah. paying through TLC for a minimum seven days. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to make that decision point. And, you know, um, and that was because, you know, there were a lot of businesses at that time that were making a lot of lucrative money out of seeing a client and then having a procedure the following day. So, um, you know, I think from the perspective, the the biggest difference is, is that a client doesn't really necessarily know too much about TLC um, until after the fact. So it's not being shoved down their neck before they've actually been spoken to. So we want to make sure the patient understands what kind of treatment they want to get. You know, um, are you looking at getting breast augmentation or is a mastoplexy a better option for you? Yeah. Are you looking at getting, um, you know, a tummy tuck or is, you know, lipo work going to give you a better result? And those are the factors that could stop someone from going, oh, well, okay, I'm going to procrastinate because I didn't know it's going to be another $6,000 for the lipo procedure. Yeah. I've got 10000 you know, and that's where, you know, TLC come into play. Yeah. But I think, look, um, there's far more information out there for patients now, right, than there was before. And as such, you know, um, if someone's not happy, they don't move forward with us. That doesn't cost them anything. Yep. So, you know, we go through those processes and we have to go through those processes with the client as well. Um, so we make sure that the the patient is fully aware of um, um, what's in, in, in like ahead of them as such, so that they're not jaded by oh okay, I'm I'm getting this to get that. Yeah. Is that the right thing to do? And you know, um, like I said to you, the the most gratifying thing is uh, people who who get the procedure that change their life. You know, they're they're doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, body dysmorphia is, yeah, it's a it's a really really significant factor. You know, but um, that was why you know I'm a massive advocate for things like the Butterfly Foundation for anorexia. So you know, we were doing funding for um, psychotherapy and dietitian fees, so that people had access to those things. Yeah. So you know, working in redundancy area of you know people that have got bad mental problems or alcoholic problems and stuff working in those spaces where normally you'd kind of go, okay, I don't really want to assist these specific areas because of the risk. You know, we fund directly to the, to the family so that they can assist, you know, because, you know, that was a, that was a core area of, um, um, the medical space that was a little bit faux pas, but 
I wanted to be able to assist. Yeah. And to be fair, rehabilitation, you know, it's crazy. Well, you know, you you are the funding, the operation, fair enough, but the surgeon or or the, you know, the provider is going to sit down and make that medical decision as well. So, there's almost two but we don't just barriers. fund we don't just fund the doctor we fund the hospital the anesthetist the yes. nurses yeah. the hospital staff the device businesses mm-hmm. so there's a whole myriad of different microcosm businesses that are involved in surgery yeah and as such you know um you know creating this um you know I'm quite proud of the fact that you know I've I've created a huge amount of business for people in this medical space yeah. um and and as such you know it's given me a lifestyle to stay in Australia and stuff like that. So, you know, I'm forever grateful and I want to be able to give back. And that's what TLC is trying to do. Better tether love and care there, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I think you handled that really well. And sorry for the curveball, but it's, no, that's all right, it's, man. it's our job to ask that's these right. questions. So. Yeah, yeah. But I think that you're right. I think that we are as a uh, an industry starting to wake up to the body dysmorphia issue. We've had, you know, in on the podcast, we've had um, psychiatrists, psychologists on that specialize in these sorts of fields. I think doctors and and um, healthcare providers are starting to become a lot more aware that, you know, this aesthetic space has grown really quickly and there are people out there who, you know, do develop these body, body dysmorphic issues. I think we are, as an industry, getting a lot better at handling those sort of situations and, and sort of screening them at, 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 you know, at the beginning and, you know, trying to- The surgeon's right got to make the decision Absolutely. at the end. If yes. the surgeon doesn't make the decision to go, do you know what, this isn't right for you, yeah. you've, you've taken it to the, the extreme. But, you know, um, we've we, we've done stages of clients where- uh, we've had a patient who's had bariatric treatment, and as a result of the bariatric treatment, they've had to have body lift surgery. Yes, because um, you know. But in between that point, we also provide funding for dietitian and psychotherapy if they want yeah. to, because you know that's a, a a mental illness as well. Um, understanding how to go through those processes, but you go from an extreme of having upper GI surgery. And then suddenly you've had all this weight loss and then you've got this excess skin. And then suddenly you're unhappy with how you look that way. Because and then, the surgery, then yeah. you've but then you know, you've got to go and see a good surgeon to get body lift surgery. And that comes at a cost as well. So it it you know, it's it it's about delivering, well, you know, at the beginning, understand well, if you're gonna have thirty kilo loss, you're gonna transition to this. Are you prepared for the next stage there. Yeah. So we've had so many clients that have gone through those processes as well, where, you know, they've had uh, medical treatment that then has walked into the aesthetic space because, you know, going to see a plastic surgeon to have body lift surgery is always recommended, right? Mm. How do you um, advertise your services? Like where, where are you, where are patients finding you if it's not so over at the surgeon's practice? Um, so uh, we obviously are on the internet, um, on social um, points. Yeah. Um, clinics can um, have our brochures in house, and you know provide that to a client as well. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, um, the ADA is slightly differently. Um, it's not governed by that kind of APRA guideline as such. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of clinics see me on um, their websites on the um, um, dental network and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And of course, you got podcasts. And I got podcasts as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But I think also, you know. Um, Working in this industry quite long, um, you know, I've I've also kind of created a bit of a brand in Tim, like that people know if they need to talk about a solution for their clinic um, um, for patients. Um, I've been a kind of go-to person, which I, you know, um, completely grateful for because I fell into this business model by osmosis yeah. um, and got to meet people like you know David over the years and stuff like that and. 
um, you know, we all did very well out of those relationships. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you in terms of um, finance. I know we wanted the, the purpose of today's discussion was to focus on patient finance, but I know that you do do finance for businesses as well. And we've got a lot of people listening to this uh, podcast who are medical professionals, doctors, nurses have their own businesses, and they might be looking for equipment or things to add to their practice. How does that work? How do you get involved in that process? Um, look again, wasn't something that I I walked into. It was, it was mainly because I've dealt with so many professionals, and they would. You know, we'd uh, be chatting over dinner or coffee or something like that, and they go, "I'm looking at doing a fit out. We're looking at moving here," and and then you know they'd ask, "Can we do some commercial funding with you, etc." So I've aligned myself with a, a fantastic commercial arm, and it's really important that again, um, I like speaking to um, clinics about diversity. It's not about just getting this machine in. It's like, what is it going to do for your clinic? Don't put a $200,000 machine in without making a decision about actually how you're going to generate revenue out of it. And, um, you know, because there are so many clinics that are just white label representations of each other everywhere now, you know? Um, and, um, again, I think, um, you know, our process there is pretty simple. Um, obviously, you know, there's a huge, like $150,000 um, asset um, write-off till the end of the year. So there's a big incentive for uh, businesses to buy medical equipment or equipment, you know, before the end of the year because they get this huge write-off. Um, but we make it a bit more personal. Um, we might be a little bit more expensive, Um you know, than the major banks or institutions that provide that specific white collar um, product, but it, you know, it it relays in service. I think, yeah, because you know, I don't know about you guys, but working in the commercial space, you know, it can take four or five weeks to get an answer back on what's going on, yeah. and there's a duty of care to the client to make sure. And we we want to make sure number one, and I work with some really fantastic device businesses, um, like you know, Gareth is coming here at BTL. Um, they've done amazing jobs um, getting new products out there into the market space that have revolutionized, um, you know, certain non-aesthetic spaces. Yeah. Um, and, you know, neo-grafting machines with p- uh, people like Venus and stuff that can, again, change um, someone's clinic from, you know, taking a $500 incremental payment to suddenly charging $15,000 for hair restoration. It's really cool. In terms of, uh, I guess, when the relationship comes to an end with you guys, um, how do they sort of, you know, finalize things? How does the, like the term get paid out? Like how does, is it like, it's, is it a simple process? Is it, is it just a matter of paying the last amount and then it disappears or is there some sort of, you know, finality to, to the arrangement? Yeah. I mean, look, it really depends on how the, the applicant wants to structure the repayments. Normally they're, they're done over a 36 or 60 month term. Um, and then, you know, the, the assets held on the business. So it's, you can depreciate the asset yep. and at the end of the term, the asset then goes to the the business as such. Um, But normally, again, in the commercial space, as you're probably well aware, you know, the device businesses also run off a bit of a churn as well, you know, three three to five years. So, you know, by the time that one's finished, then you've got an opportunity to upsell it into a different model as such. I think also there could be a slightly fickle situation because suddenly you've bought a machine for 200,000 and then in three years, you know, it's like a car. It's, you know, the the latest updated car is out and then you're behind the eight ball. So often quicker than that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, like like I said, I think it's really, really important for businesses to number one, choose the right product for their demographic. Or if they're trying to grow 
their specific patient base to a, a, a broader market and capture a broader option, that's where you want to look at. If you're just doing it um, because the guy down the road's got one, I, I, I would never say that's a that's a good opportunity yeah. because then then it becomes a price war. Yeah. And as we all know, like in a price war scenario, only the big companies can, uh, can afford that specific model. Sure. Um, so the smaller private businesses then get affected and therefore their cash flow get affected as well. So there's the opportunity for people to sort of, you know, get the latest trade in. Of equipment, trade in. And, and do yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of medical device businesses have realized that now, yeah. that they've got to support the businesses as such. Because as I think, you know, uh, before it was very kind of cut and dry, where now it's all about supporting that network. Mm. Um, you know, because the, 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 the first businesses that get affected in our sector are the non-surgical. And as such, then the non-surgical ones are the ones that affect the surgical space, because regardless, um, you know, you fall under one umbrella, but, you know, if one space is affected, they, you know, the finance world believes the other space will be affected at a certain point. Can I ask a final question just about that? So who is funding the trade-in? Is, is the company buying back the old machine and giving the new one or, you know, who, who's sort of funding that? I would thought, I would have thought it'd be the device business that would work it out because I mean obviously it would be a you know device businesses don't want their devices on the black market being yes. sold so I think it's always in their best interest to make sure that you know if they're able to um, um, bring that back into the soup and then you know yeah. get a new model out as such yeah. okay. but I think that's why like when you look at the new devices that are coming out now they're devices that have got such cutting edge te technology that, that really you know what is the next step after getting surgical because you know they're they're so technical now; it's ridiculous, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Now, one final question before we let you go, and know you've got a busy day on, and you got to go and do some work. You can't just chat, <laughs> sit here and chat with us all day. Why not? Yeah. This is pretty cool, actually. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Where do you think the future's going for the finance space, or what have you got in the works, or what do you got planned? What do you got cooking up in the kitchen? Um, look, um, look. I think for TLC, um, it's it, it's just a matter of getting um, awareness out there. Um, slowly but surely, um, oh. you know, we've only been, yeah, we've only been going two years now. So, um, you know, what, what I want to do is, um, create a brand so that, you know, as, as they have with kind of Afterpay when it comes to medical, just say, would you like some TLC with that? Um, so that, um, people aren't scorned by going, oh, I've got a $400 consultation fee in front of me. What's the point? You know, this is this this treatment's going to cost me X. I'm going to, you know, and and you see it in the paper all the time, the pushback. So I think awareness is the biggest thing. Um, but you know, apart from that, we're just having fun at TLC, yeah. doing what we do. Really, does the T stand for tender or does it stand for Tim? Honestly, it stands for total. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of Tim though. So, how can people reach out to you, your company, if they've got questions, they want to? you know, potentially engage with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the website's um, tlc.com.au, uh, very easy to find, um, tlc.social for the Insta side. Perfect. Um, and I'm a very um, uh, contactable director. Um, I don't have any business development managers. I've never had that for the last 15 years. So, you know, an owner of a business will speak to me and talk to me about how they want to structure things. So, um, yeah, just getting get in contact and uh, we'll be in touch. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it as well. Thanks, Tim. 
For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at inside underscore aesthetics. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests.